You got your mama's sunshine You got your daddy's rain You're like a piece of heaven In a hurricane Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. Uh, so I have with us, uh, as usual, we have Vince Sierra. Hey. He's over there on the board. Uh, we have Pastor Ron Vietti uh, from VBF who started hey the church back in the day. Uh, it's his anniversary today, by the way. How many years have you been married? Married 53 years. Can so you awesome. believe that? 53 years. We should have a podcast about that. And I'm only yes. 60 years old. But today we're not talking about that. We're talking about something else. <laughs> Uh, Pastor Jim from Thousand Oaks, Pastor Jim Cruz from Thousand Oaks. Uh, what did they What did they call you uh, at the men's retreat? The uh, the white Mexican, because <laughs> he, the guy said your name was Cruz and he was confused. So yes, was like our, they uh, did. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Our speaker had a name for everybody. He did, but it's uh, they don't know it's C R E W S. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Like Terry Crews, yeah. The but actor. You, what's cool is you can rep whatever you want to rep. You know, that, that's right. these days that's the way. That's, those are the rules. So I'm Josh Vietti, and uh, we're going to talk about fear today. We're going to talk about, you know, what what is it that uh, that you fear that you're afraid of, and is there a good side to fear? Uh, and so I think it's going to be a fun conversation. Um, let's I, go. I have nothing start. to say because I don't know anybody that has any fears. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, you know anybody <laughs> yeah. has any fears? Not at this table. Right. Insert crickets there. Yeah. Just well, yeah. Well, we just say kidding. the old brand. Uh, what was it? No fear. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's funny about fear though is uh, men will never say uh, that they have fear. They'll say they're stressed. Interesting. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like men. Men usually say, "Ah, I'm stressed out." Right. Or now. I'm apprehensive about that. Or yeah, I just don't know. I you know. I'm, but is there a difference of fear and stress? Uh, I think there is, but I think that uh, they, in my opinion. A lot of issues that we have mentally do our birth in fear. Um, here's an interesting uh, way to start the topic. Um, there are only two fears that are innate inside of us that you're born with. The two fears are the fear of heights, fear of falling, and fear of loud noises. Everything else from there is learned. That's crazy. I thought fear of heights would be in there because I have that one. That is one of my big fears. Well, it's funny because you, th- you see dogs, right? They naturally, or animals, naturally, they, they fear, uh, they, they walk up to the edge of a cliff, they don't jump off, right? They understand that that's not a good thing. They have that too. Uh, if you make a loud noise in the, in the forest, there's deer out here today, and if you make a loud noise, they take off running, right? Uh, but they, they, they're not afraid of their taxes, do you see, know? I, I didn't know that. I thought, <laughs> I thought the fear of heights in me was because inevitably... At some time when I was little, I fell off of something high or whatever. Uh, well, it can it exasperate just, it. I could have been born with yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, obviously our experiences exasperate everything. Um, but it's how you process. It's uh, what you're exposed to. All that well, what, is, what is the number one fear? Do you guys know? What's the number one fear in life? I would assume it's speaking. Public speaking, Public I've heard. Public speaking. Yeah, I don't really know. I haven't looked it up recently. They change over the years. Uh, Jim, what's your fear? And the number two is death. Death, right? Mm-hmm. Death. So yeah, so death people, is definitely on the list. So, so people would rather die than to speak in public. Is that crazy? Hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think I'm afraid to die. What about dying while you're speaking in public? Wow, that would be like a what's what's the old saying that I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> right, <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. But you know what? I I wrote down some things. Uh, uh, fears and somebody said one of the number one fears is social anxiety or social phobia. Social phobia, which includes speaking in public, mm-hmm. going to a party because you're afraid that you're going to be judged. Right. Uh, well, what is? Let's go back. If the number one fear is uh, speaking in public, public speaking, what what are some of the mechanics of that? I mean, why are we really afraid of that? Is it that we think our peers or the people there are going to judge us? Is that it? It's going to probably come mm-hmm. down to when you have to be in front of people, you don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to have to be held accountable to the things that you're saying, right? Like if you say something in front of a bunch of people, now you have accountability to the things that you're saying. Uh, and then I just think it also just comes down to, like you said, just simple things. How do I look? Did I dress right? Did I wear the right shoes? You know, I mean, it can go so far down that rabbit hole. But yeah, I, I think it's going to come so down to So I just pulled up, uh, I pulled up the that. list. Um, you'd think we would have had this before we started. I, I have a list. I do have I was a list just waiting. Too. Yeah, You're we're ready for you, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm the only one that doesn't. Okay, I don't so have it either. My list uh, okay. is from Chapman. 
okay. EDU, because Chapman does this every year. Um, the number one is corrupt government officials. That's number one? That's number one. That's no f- way. No way. The number one fear? Number one. No number way. Number two is people I love dying. Okay. That's, that's up there. Number three, mm-hmm. a loved one contracting coronavirus. When was this written, know. dude? This is, 20, this is 2020, 2021. <laughs> this is the last couple of years. Number four, people I love becoming seriously ill. Number five, widespread civil unrest. Number six, a pandemic or major epidemic. Number seven, economical uh, or financial collapse. Number eight, cyber terrorism. And who, whose grandma wrote this? <laughs> what this, person in a closet? This definitely came out summer of 2020. Number nine. Right, right before COVID. Number nine, pollution of oceans, rivers, and lakes. That's okay. just not right. The, I, yeah. And number 10, biological well, warfare. Listen to mine. Mine is uh, social phobia, which includes speaking, yep. public speaking, and then heights. Yep. And then snakes, bugs, and spiders. Hmm. Yep. And then closed spaces, then flying. 49% of the people are afraid of flying. Jim, are you afraid of flying? I used to be. Well, it goes along with heights, too. I think uh, we were with you the first time I flew. Mm. Yes, you were. (laughs) And you were very nervous. Yes. I prayed a lot. Then they have fear of dark, of darkness, fear of disease, fear of death, fear of blood. Hmm. I'm not a fear. I don't have fear of blood unless it's mine. Again, I think that goes back to the death. A lot of these can be related to, you know, it's like, if you see blood, am I going to survive? We one of our video guys who's behind camera, Tyler, he sees a drop of blood on his he he starts Google searching all kinds of stuff and he's at the doctor the next day. So mm. well, real quickly, know. look at this list. Let's his go down shaking, through it. Because he's laughing. We right? said yeah. <laughs> social phobia. Social phobia. Right. So that is public speaking. Yeah. But the next one, heights, we already know about. What about snakes, bugs, and spiders? Yeah, it depends. Depends on if you've uh, been bit. But you know why snakes, right. bugs, and spiders are the worst? Because they're hidden. It's like things the that part, they're yeah. things that don't that you don't see. Like if a snake, you know, in general, if you see it, you're, you're not afraid of it. If you can see it going across the path, it's when you're walking in the woods and you don't want to step on a snake or a spider in the couch. You know, one of the, the one of the most fearful moments I've had in my life. One of the most fearful moments was when I was living in Ventura and we had a raised foundation, and I had to crawl all the way under the foundation to the opposite side of the house and check something. And there was one entrance and one exit. It was, you know, a couple feet. It was, it was really right. small. And just while I was down there, I was like, this is not natural. Like, I started thinking of earthquakes. I started thinking of snakes, spiders. I started thinking Being of... Being stuck? <laughs> yeah, Post-based. just getting stuck or just so many different things that could happen. And uh, so, like, that confined space, I think that would be uh, yeah. huge, you know? But there's so many different fears. And, um, and, and the truth is, is that most fears are natural. Most fears are um, are uh, good to have. Yeah, logical. They, they're logical. They protect you. Right. Right. Survival. Yeah. I mean, I want my kid to be afraid of of the campfire when we go camping, because I don't want her yes. to fall in. Yes. And you know where that fear comes from is when she touched the pan the other day. She felt it, and so she knows that that, that fire's hot. It burns. You know. And so I'm glad that she has that. It's a respect. It's a healthy respect. Fear. Fear motivates you. It, yeah. Uh, It'll get you to doing things you wouldn't normally do that are some of those are good things. Well, yeah, exactly. And um, like a fear of spiders, uh, there's a healthy respect, but right? Then there's a phobia, right? And there's, there's the dysfunction starts to happen when the phobia happens, right? So, like the uh, spiders, all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're playing with them, you know, and that's, that's dumb. That's stupid, right? That'd be the dumbest thing you could possibly do. But it's good to have a healthy respect. Say, okay, if I see a spider, I'm going to get a, a newspaper, I'm going to smash it, right? Um, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to do what I have to do. Sorry to those of you that are really big on uh, protecting the spiders, but uh, if I see one, it's... But what about your your daughter, Olive? She's not afraid of anything, hardly, as far as bugs, spiders. My girls... Do you you have to instill a little fear in her? Because she might pick up the wrong spider someday. So with the girls, um, and the little one's even worse, uh, she'll grab anything. And uh, so, yeah, we tell them, you know, black widows, don't touch those. They'll bite you. And we always tell them, you'll have to go to the doctor. And that's what gets them. They're like, what? Right. You know? So we have to utilize fear to our advantage. Yeah. and But then there's a point where you can go too far, where you can say, there's spiders everywhere, you know, underneath every cushion or they're underneath every chair. Or if somebody comes in a room and sees a spider, they go out running and, and screaming. Right, right, right. And then there's the whole boy who cried wolf syndrome, where you can tell people that there's something everywhere, or it's something, you know, there's a spiders all over this house. They're everywhere. And then you look and you don't see any spiders. So then all of a sudden you think there's no spiders 
there's not any spiders. It's when anyway. the fear controls what you're doing is when it becomes dangerous. It's called a spirit of fear in the Bible. Yeah, right. Vince, do, do you teach your children? Did you teach them from a smaller age, younger age, to be afraid of strangers? Oh, 100%. And it was funny because as you, and, and Jim, I'm sure you, you're going to have a lot to say to this. In the beginning, I was almost over the top, like, be afraid of this, be afraid of that. Don't do this, don't do that. I was almost over, I was paralyzing them in some sense where they were afraid of, where they were just learning fears that I didn't even instill because they're like, mm. well, that's probably also bad. You know, uh, there's a there's a movie, Mama Said, right? Mama Said, that's bad. And you start learning mm. that the things that are actually good for you or things you're missing out on, you're paralyzed by the fear and you don't end up experiencing things because you're so paralyzed by that fear. So I was getting, I got Huntington. It was funny, my oldest now, mm. he's probably the most cautious of all my kids because he was my first. And he's always, he always looks out for the little ones like, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I'm like, let him do it. Let him run. Hun. It's going to be fine. Hmm. But it's funny because he was, he was taught to fear at an early age. And so definitely, like, you know, having that, I taught my kids like, you know, from an early age, but there's a healthy version of it. Yes. Version yes. Ver, versus one that controls well, you. Well, know, you know, and I want to come back to what you said. It paralyzes us, your children with fear. But you could use fear to your advantage, too. I've used it a lot. We go out to eat, and you guys know this by experience. And I'll, I'll tell you why everything good on your plate's going to cause cancer. <laughs> and then when you don't eat it, I ask for it, and I'll eat it. <laughs> to your advantage, right? And so I use it to my advantage. If you have something on your plate I really would like, uh, I can scare you from eating it so I can have it. Fear can, uh, and that's true. I, I love that point that you bring up because fear can also um, be used to manipulate people. It can't. I mean, fear, right. think about it. If, if yeah. you don't want somebody to do a specific thing, don't do this because this will happen. I remember right. when I was younger, and this is a great story. I love this because you guys were all involved in this. I was working for the city and I had a good city job. I was, you know, I was marking up and my parents, uh, I told my parents, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go work at the church. And they're like, that's crazy. Like, you can't do that. Like, you have a good, you have a good thing going over here. You know, don't mess that up. You know, because if you take this risk and, and they wanted to instill all this fear in me about if I did this, this would happen. And obviously I had God and I was following God and I was like, you know, if God's with me, even if this is a mistake, I will come out the other end of it. And obviously I did come out the other end of it. But my parents want and they thought they knew what was doing best. It wasn't a knock on them to say like, hey, they didn't have my best interest in mind. But if I let that fear stop me from doing what I was supposed to do. I wouldn't be the person. Well, you I were today. you were fearless when you were doing it too, because you guys don't know this story. Vince, when he was driving over, oh man, he would drive over to Vegas uh, every week in uh, his little S10 pickup, and it broke down in Baker, <laughs> and he had to stay in one of those hotels in Baker. Oh and, no, uh, I, didn't know that story. <laughs> I did. I paid like twenty bucks at the time, and I remember the room, and I just all night I'm like, oh Lord, please let me not. And then one time, I don't even know if you know the story. Uh, I got so tired, I had to sleep at a truck stop. So in my little S10, I had my feet out the window, at a truck, which is both windows down. I yeah, mean, yeah. I would I would be mortified to think that my kids slept at a truck stop between right. Vegas and Bakersfield at any point. But, but, you, but yeah. you know, seriously, you can ruin your life, like Vince said, when you get into that place where you manipulate people with fear. Right. My marriage was really bad, and today's my anniversary. But the first 15 years, Debbie was really afraid of me. And... and uh, I was very controlling. I had temper tantrums. And I've told people before that have a problem with anger. Very often, you keep using that anger because it's working for you. Right. And she was young and beautiful, and she's still young and beautiful today. But I, I was so afraid of her leaving me. I was so afraid of her divorcing me because I was a scumbait. If we, I think you still use that word. <laughs> yeah, I, I was can. really, really a bad person. And so I had no security. I, I was very uh, insecure because I knew I was really a bad person, and I felt she was going to find somebody else yeah. and leave me. So I controlled her with fear. Uh, I manipulated her. Boy, you don't ever leave me. If you do, you know what I'll do. And where were you at today? Why were you there? It was horrible. And, uh, you know, thankfully, God saved me. Uh, but we got to talk about that. There might be people listening today that you're you're manipulating people with this uh, this thing called fear. You're you're making them afraid of you. Uh, even your children. I think some parents they yell and scream and right. you know I'm going to spank you out behind the right. the, the back uh, garage back here or the back barn, whatever it used to be. 
Uh, if you don't obey me, man, you better obey me now or I'm going to slap you. I mean, so many people manipulate people with, with fear. So talking about fear and how it affects our behaviors, um, because you probably came from a place where you were fearful, right? You're saying, and then you instilled fear as my well. Dad, my dad threatened me all the right. time. So you and I was it. very afraid of my dad, and then I used it on my wife. So what right? other traits do you think, uh, for the people that are listening to this right now, what other traits do you think people need to watch out for in their own lives to... Um, to see whether they have fear or not in their lives. I mean, what traits do you think, specific traits, uh, reflect a fearful life? Because we're talking about there's a good side of fear, right? right? And a bad side. But we're of talking, fear, right? we're talking the healthy bad and unhealthy, side, the okay. unhealthy, the anxiety, the overreaching. Mm-hmm. Type I, I just hope fear. some of our listeners and viewers, some of them might, uh, through our podcast, come to the conclusion that I'm I'm using. Uh, different things in life to instill fear in the ones around me so I can get what I want. And so I, I'm hopeful that uh, through these podcasts, a lot of people will come to the conclusion that I need to be healed in that area. Yeah. Uh, Jim's always been a, a more of a, you just been a more of a mellow guy. Uh, and yet me and Josh, and I think maybe Vince too, we have more of a problem with our temper and, and people are kind it's of fair. afraid of that. So, uh, so um, you're saying that uh, I'm I'm the balanced one. You you, you balance us <laughs> out. Uh, I don't know if uh, like that's everyone, completely accurate. Well, everyone gets yeah. angry and everyone yeah. gets fearful and everyone gets sad. You know, it's when you have a an imbalance of those things in your life when they start to get um, when they start to uh, interfere with your daily living, with your job, with your relationships. Um, with imbalance is a good word. Yeah, if you have an imbalance of anything like that, then it becomes a problem. But what does the Bible say? It says, I think this is a, a commandment, be angry, yet don't sin. Right, yeah. And so there's times where we need to have righteous indignation. Now, that's a whole different subject, righteous indignation right. uh, uh, versus our own personal anger. Uh some time ago, I wish Tom Touchstone was here. He could, uh, uh, you know, confirm this. But I had some uh, biker guys in the church, and, and it was during a special event, and I was given an altar call, and they were heckling me, and they were giving me a bad time. Wow. And it really bothered me. And so when the event was over, I went out to go to my car, and they were blocking me from my car. They were just trying to give me a bad time. And I really lost it. I got right in their face. I was so angry. I told them, man, what was up and what wasn't. Uh, and I think that was righteous indignation going, how dare you come to the house of God, come to the church, and, 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 and do what you did during an altar call. So, so let's talk about that for a second. What about righteous indignation? Is that something that some of us need more, more of? Well, the famous story is uh, when Jesus goes to the temple, and he sees that they are making the the outer uh, uh, um, courtyard of the temple into a basically uh, a market where they're selling and right. they're haggling yeah. and they're doing all these things. And um, he he saw that as such a disrespect for God that he became very angry and flipped the tables. I mean, he lost his temper. Jesus yes. lost yes. his temper, and you don't see him doing that. Um, Ever again? I don't know. Do, is there another story where he lost no, his nothing comparable to temper? That. I don't think so. He rebuked a lot, but no, I don't think he lost. Yes. That was the moment where he like he was he flew and he in. never sinned, right? Well, exactly. he, yeah, to lose your temper, like did he lose it or did he just like use it? Do it was that to, he used it. It was controlled <laughs> temper. I think it was yeah. a controlled. Anger. That's fair. But think about that whole story. That all comes down to the people having an unhealthy fear of God. They turned the temple mm-hmm. into you know, into a marketplace because they had just lost their fear of God. We just talked about this in a staff meeting the other day where it was just like, do you really believe God is who he is and and how dare you turn this into a temple? So that healthy fear on the good side brings us to a great place, but that unhealthy fear, like we said, can manipulate not just from individuals, but can manipulate and control our everyday lives. I had another list that was interesting that I read. It It wasn't the list that you read was common fears. I have a list that says 10 fears that hold people back in life. So fears that the top 10 fears that hold people, but I'll just knock them off and we'll kind of move out of this subject or move out of this version of it. But change, people are afraid to change. And I love change. Love it. See, that's a personality. That's a personality thing because I love change. Some personalities love change. 
other personalities hate it. But think about the idea of it because people, when they go into it, they, they're afraid of change because they're afraid they're comfortable and they're afraid of what they don't see, yeah. right? They're trying to predict the future. They're trying to figure out if it's the right or the wrong move. So people get paralyzed in, in that idea of change. So it's really funny to bounce off of that idea real quick. My daughter, uh, we're potty training her and, um, and she uh, has diapers on. And so we were trying to switch her from diapers to underwear. And so we got the diaper off of her and we're trying to put the underwear on. And she's like, no, I don't want this. I don't want underwear. And my wife are laughing. You right. Know? It's funny. It's like uh, underwear is uh, like a coming to age. Like you yeah. want the underwear. Trust oh, it's us. so yeah. funny because she wants to be big and she wants to try to do mm-hmm. the things that her older sister does. And she wants to go to school and, you know, uh, uh, preschool. And uh, but but I looked at my wife and I just said, change is hard. <laughs> change. That, that's literally fear of change. It really right. is. It really is. So Vince, what, what loneliness else? was? It, you're about to talk about this in your next message. I, mm. Well, I said I should. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people being plagued by loneliness, and and sometimes it's people that you, you wouldn't think would have that problem. You could be married and be lonely. One hundred percent. You can have people around you and be lonely. Well, what else? Leads? Anxiety, anxiety can lead to loneliness because you're so paralyzed in fear of just what can happen that you what you recluse, well, you're, right? You're distracted, right? If you're anxious, you're distracted from life itself, and so that's a problem. I mean, if you're anxious all the time, you're actually missing out on the relationships that are around you. You're going to be lonely. You're not going to be receiving the love that you need, right? One hundred percent failure. Fear of failure. Now that, yeah. that that might enter my world a little bit. I mean, I, I said something the other day, Jim. You might want to uh, comment on this. I went to bed, and I'm always trying to examine myself. I, I think that that's a, a good habit to have. And it was something in the context of God. You know, I just want to be so right with you in my heart, and in all my actions. And a thought hit me, and I, I talked to the Lord about it, and I said, God. You know, I've really kind of, you know, been proud through the years of the fact that, man, the last few years especially, I've given you everything I have. Man, I'll work hard for the kingdom. I'll work hard. And a thought hit me. And I don't say it was coming from God. It was just a thought in my mind that am I really, really this radical guy that, that gives everything to God? I mean, here's a man who, man, he works so hard for the kingdom. Or am I working really hard to make sure I'm successful? Mm. There's a big difference. Right. And I, this hit me, and I went to bed saying, God, I don't think this is the case. And I had a good time in my, in my prayer that night. It was two nights ago. Going, God, I don't think this is the case for this reason. But just the fact that it could have been, that, man, I am on fire for God. I am building the kingdom. Or am I trying to build a successful life? where everybody will look at me and go, man, that guy's successful. Can you speak to that? Yeah, that's like checking your motives. Yes. Go, going back to to what you're saying. So the fear of failure right. keeps people... Think about that. ...keeps people from stepping out and, and doing something that maybe they're being pulled... To do. ...to, to do, because they, they may not make it. Isn't that nuts? I mean, it's like almost an oxymoron. You're... You know that you probably have the ability to do this amazing thing, but you're so paralyzed by the fear that you're not willing well, it's in, to do it. In line with the self-fulfilled prophecy, okay. which is you believe something and, you, and then you make it happen. Right. Okay. For example, if you're really, really afraid, I'm going to get cancer, get cancer, get cancer. What you're going to do to your physical body might cause cancer. Yeah. By that fear. Hundred percent. And what you fear might come upon you. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. But you know what? I'm telling you. There's so many things on the table here. I mean, we might have to go two weeks for this one. Fear's a big uh, topic. It's a big Especially po- in our culture that is ridden with anxiety, because right. I know fear and anxiety are different, mm-hmm. but they are related. Yes. That, you know, I, I have not talked to a 20-something girl who does not claim that she is anxious. Like, wow. they are all anxious. And even on the guy side, uh, you know, and... I've been talking to a lot of psychologists that I know, and they're saying, like, well, uh, statistics are kind of skewed because people are more open about sharing about this, that that in my generation, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, nobody was really talking about anxiety, but so, everybody's talking about it now. So check this out. I have a theory. I have a theory on this. I'm sorry. Did I, did I cut you off? No. Or are you going to continue? No, go for okay, it. Okay. Um, 
the, I wrote this down this morning and it goes right along with what you're saying because anxiety is an epidemic. It's insane. Right. Um, I'm just going to read it from my notes because I don't, I want to make sure that I get this thought out there. I said, I thought about our current culture and, and um, how it may be making us a, a much more fearful and anxious. Mm. We pick and choose what we feel like being exposed to every day, right? Which app will I choose? What article will I read? This sets us up to having a distraction whenever we feel like it, enabling us to ignore what we should be facing. So basically, when you wake up in the morning, you have responsibilities, right? We all have responsibilities. And the people that tackle those responsibilities, they're teaching themselves to overcome anxieties and fears by doing what they need to do, by being who they need to be. But we use distractions to keep us from doing that. We never learn how to handle right. little, little problems. We never learn how to handle these little uh, these little intricacies of life that are normal. But but we don't like, like take somebody from the 1950s, a farmer. He wakes up in the morning and he wakes up at the same time every day. It's dark, and you know the rooster crows, and he goes out and, and he and he milks the cows or whatever he, they do, whatever the farmers do. I I have like a t- cartoon idea of what farmers do. They milk the cow, <laughs> and they go out and they plow the field. I don't Feed know the chickens, but you know right? what I mean. Like yeah. they they they, they, would, they would get up and they would do their job, and at the end of the day, they would they would they would brush their hands and say, "Well, I did the best I could." You know, if they're religious, God, you need to do the rest. But now we wake up in the morning. First thing we do is grab our phone. I'm like on CNN. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This morning. So check it out. This morning I got on CNN, and I'm like, oh, there's a huge hurricane headed for Florida that's going to displace a bunch of people. And the next thing I see is this really cool ad for a TV. There it is. (laughs) Yep. But (laughs) what you feed grows. What you feed grows. And I want to step back because I was uh, getting to the point where I, I didn't have that much, like, anxiety you know, 30, 40 years ago in the 80s and the 90s. I mean, that stuff wasn't there. Because you're smoking so, pot, bro. Well, that was part of it. But the other part... You wait out him. Yeah. No the other part of that is that, and this is fact, 2007, the stats for anxiety go through the roof. 2007, 2008. Right. Hmm. And that is in alignment with the... iPhone iPhone, wow. the smartphone, yeah. YouTube, Twitter, mm-hmm. Facebook, all the social media stuff that that was launched in 2007. Mm-hmm. And I look at it like, okay, so you've got access to media and to events as they happen. Mm-hmm. And, and I've said this before, but with the Vegas shooting, when that happened, my daughter knew about it before CNN or Fox News because of Twitter. Yeah. And it was instant. And so we're filling our minds with all of these events as they happen. On top of that, you've got this social media comparison right. that is kind of just existing in the background, right. and, and it is uh, amplifying the, the anxiety because there is a less than thing that is right. out there like, my life doesn't look like that, FOMO. and will, will my life ever look yep. like that? Will I ever be able to go on a vacation? Yep. Will I ever be able to find a man or a woman? Will, will my body ever look like that? And so it amplified that. So I think all of that together has created like the perfect ingredients and recipe. We're, we're products for of the our anxiety. generation. We're products of our generation. Jim, in my sermon last Sunday, I started out with ABC News and it said that mental health is so bad in our country right now, there's not enough doctors to treat it. You tell me that's not scary. I have never done a series in my life, I don't think, as this last one, talking about the hidden heart things in the heart where I have got so much feedback. Well, and if even if there were enough doctors, I feel like there's a lot of people that don't have insurance or don't have the money to do it and uh, to get the help that they need to get. Um, and that's sad to me. I think it'd be great if... Uh, if somehow through the church we were able to work on some sort of thing where we could yeah. bring mental health to people that need it the most. And, um, you know, it's you look good. around, you see all the homeless people, and um, and it, it gets bad, and we blame it on the government and all this stuff, but it's mental health. It's mental health. Let's go back to what you said, though, Josh. And those two go together, mental yes, health Go and back to what you said, together. though. I stopped the habit of getting up every morning and going to newsfeed. That's good. Yeah. And, and again, I said it on our last podcast, but I'll repeat it. You got to remember, every one of those big media outlets out there, they are striving to find a story today for tomorrow or however far right. they're ahead. 
And they've got to take whatever they're talking about and make it as big and as scary as they can. And when you to read get the headlines, and, and when you read that headline, okay, when you read that headline, by the way, Vince and I took a marketing class and they taught us how they spend 10 times longer uh, writing out the headline and making sure it's perfect the and they do the article. Yeah, How many times do you read the headline and then the yeah. article doesn't even say Nothing. that? Yeah, right. well, they, this guy went on to say, he's like, statistically, they won't even read the past the first paragraph yeah. anyway. Now it's called clickbait, right? So it's right. clickbait, yeah. exactly. Yep. That's what it is. But um, it's uh, what happens when we read these articles is we get a dopamine rush because it's exciting or it's interesting. And what happens is by the time you've read five of those articles, you're already you've already wasted so much of your energy for the day to handle actual problems. Right. And then you end up not handling the problems and then they stack up. And all of a sudden you're anxious. I mean, college kids are probably having a really hard time with their homework now because they're on the phones all the time. I don't know. Maybe what Jim Jim was talking about social media and the, the power that it has. We have to go back as Christians, especially, and reevaluate the way our kids are using social media. We're up here in the mountain, and most often when I'm out, I see this family, and they have like five kids, probably from four years old up to 15, and they're all taking a walk together. They're getting them off social media. They're walking. Yeah. They're talking, maybe even praying together. See, we've got to at some point teach our kids to face their fears. Yeah, You can't run from them. Right. Um, I've started the practice of leaving my phone at home uh, every once in a while, and, and it just feels good. I think it's good. I think after what happened in the election cycle, this last one with the presidential craziness, and I was hearing people on both sides, and it just was so distracting to me. I made a vow. I'm like, I'm done watching like any news station. I don't care. You know, pick your choice: CNN, Fox News. I turned it off. It's almost and, comical when you read when you when you open up a certain news station, and you're like, I know what they're gonna say. Yeah, I know what it's gonna be about. I know the story that they're. It trying was to so life giving to do that, though. Yeah, to yeah, to your stop. point, what you're saying, it's just, just like. Stop. Yeah, I added I added time to my day. Uh, I I'm not as concerned because a lot of these stories have nothing to do with my life, and I will not be able to do anything about these stories. So why bother subjecting myself to it? But I want to go back to touch on the depression because I did a deep dive uh, with this subject of anxiety about. Gosh, it has to be like ten years ago. Um. Your daughter, your sister, uh, had a panic attack on a trip, and I had never, you know, experienced anything like this. I didn't even know how to process it, and um, it was a, I mean, it was a clinical, like, uh, you know, textbook panic attack, uh, and and she was fearing like there was a heart issue wow. and all kinds of medical things. And then to walk her through this whole situation, to be diagnosed with anxiety, and then for me to have no clue what anxiety was, and then to do a deep dive, like understanding it, uh, like scientifically, like with your brain and how your brain produces some of the stuff that, that makes you, right? yeah, makes you a little bit more prone. One of the discoveries that I thought was so intriguing is that people that have anxiety disorders that maybe at some point it started with some kind of a fear, an irrational fear right. that turned into this anxiety disorder. And undealt with anxiety disorder will, by default, go into depression. Yeah. Wow. No. I, I said in my There's sermon series that uh, stress is very often a precursor to depression. But, but but just for a moment, Josh, you were talking about that year, 2007, I think you said. Is that right? Jim was, yeah. Or Jim yeah. was. Yeah. Um, you know, 50 years ago, were people not having uh, anxiety attacks and all this, or did we just not hear about it? I mean, I, I don't remember 50 years ago. Well, another thing that affects it, this happening that affects your pace. mind that people don't think about is diet. It and does. Diet did the, change through um, the years too. The uh, processed foods, the uh, dyes, these different things, the sugar, that all does affect your mind a lot. One of the things too about going back to the older culture too, and it was unhealthy, and you probably remember this generation, you just didn't talk about stuff. 
like you hid stuff behind the scenes. You're like, we're not, you know, you just, you, yeah. true. you, you just hit stuff. And so it was, so I think this generation is generation for the good or the bad is a little bit healthier for bringing more things. to light. I still think like you said on your, with your last message, the hidden things, I still think we hide a lot of things that we don't want people to see. Yeah. But yeah, I think that we hit a lot of things. What you said about our bodies and you're going to be able to speak to this. And I, I hope you dive on this for a second. So when you fear the idea, when you fear your body, releases a lot of stuff. And like you said, if it's an unhealthy fear, if you read a news article, your body produces cortisol, mm-hmm. right? And what does that do to our bodies? There's a lot of things. Right. I, lately, I've been dealing with uh, weight around my waist that I believe is caused by cortisol. Right. But Stress. Also, heart on your heart, raise blood pressure, all this different stuff that can cause, you know, well, what happens is you didn't use it. You didn't do anything with it. You're, the idea is that fight or flight, right? Mm-hmm. So people talk about this chemical thing that happens when you fear. It's fight or flight. You either fight or you you run right there's a third there's a third one okay uh, you can freeze okay that's another one but, but then again go back to something else i said too just a few moments of stress can destroy mitochondria in your body and and that has effect on the immune system um i'm going through something right now and a lady that i really trust gave me a word from the lord that day she says i was praying for you and i really feel like you you cannot have these adrenaline rushes for for uh, a long time in other words you know the way I operate, I'm high strung. Sometimes I get these adrenaline rushes that'll last for 10 or 15 minutes. She says, that's not good for you. Uh, I get really hyped about stuff. And uh, for example, if something uh, upsets me, I, I can't get off the topic for 15 minutes. And she said, you're destroying your body that way. And so there's so many reasons why we're sick some, sometimes. Right. So this is the negative uh, side. I think we've pretty much covered that, right? And, and well, there, we can go further, but I think we need to move forward to the, the positive side of fear. I would say just to, to conclude this it. up and sum it up, I would, I would say just from this little conversation of negative, we're just conditioned yeah. to fear. Yes. For sure. Would you, I mean, that's... Yeah. We, most of it's learned is what most you're saying. It, yeah. And we're conditioned. We wake, you know... The world wants us to fear. Yeah. Would you say, was that fair? And, and we're all, you know, people might say you're hypocrites because we all have our phones here, but we're, I, I, I have notes. Yeah, I we got have notes, notes on here that I want to Yeah. Talk well, about. I'm just saying, like, I, I'm starting to use my phone much differently. I'm starting to be intentional about how I but, use But let's my go phone. talk about the positive side. Yeah. Vince was talking about the fear of failure. Now, very often when I'm counseling people, let's say that they've just had a new diagnosis of cancer and they're real upset, they're crying. I say, okay, let's go to the worst case scenario first. If we can handle the worst case scenario, then we can move backwards from that. You could die from this cancer. Mm. Now, as a Christian, let's talk about death. Because here's a verse right here, listen to me, in Hebrews 2.15. And it says, deliver all those who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Through what? The fear of death. If we can get to the place as Christians where we really believe we have eternal Mm. life, and we can handle that and say, hey, that's the worst case scenario. I can handle that. Then we can move from there. So in another way, way to say that would be if you don't fear dying, mm. you're free. To, to a big extent. Okay, right? let's go back to that, Josh. It says uh, that deliver all those through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Uh, you know, I can't move to my dream house in the mountains because there's no hospitals nearby. And I have a heart problem. And so they're being held bondage by that. And we give 20 examples of that. Um, we were talking about failure. I, I struggled with that for some years, fear of failure. But what has helped me a lot, and I, I have a certain way of believing, that when I'm spending time with God, He strengthens me. Right. And very often when a, when a, a thing uh, of change comes into my life, some circumstance that's going to to call me to change in order to go here or do that. My passion that God has filled me with in this time of prayer and abiding with Him is so much stronger than the fear of failure. It, 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 it's, you know, it's really motivating me and uh, this, this strong sense of what God's given me. I mean, again, I'm going to bring everything back, back around to the spiritual some yeah. point in time. But uh, when I spend time with God, let's say, for example, God says, Ron... You're supposed to go to Texas and start a church. And he confirms it three times. Now, all of a sudden, I'm getting excited. I can't wait because God's told me to go to Texas. Man, what's going to happen when I go there? All these good things. And my conversation with God and the Holy Spirit witnessing to me that I'm to go to Texas 
overpowers any fears that that change could bring. Does that make sense to anybody? Yeah, it definitely does. And I think your relationship with God is 100% connected to how much you fear and have anxiety. I do believe this. I think that there's a chemical side when you're having panic attacks and all these things, and that's like a wall between you and God. For me, um, I was uh, diagnosed with depression and anxiety, actually. I guess it just kind of goes together. Just threw that one in there. Cousins. Yeah. Um, And so um, for me, it was a wall. Like I wasn't able to just connect with God like I wanted to because I couldn't get out of my head, right? Mm -hmm. But once I started doing little things, little uh, started practicing uh, some meditation, praying, getting back into actual praying, but not just like the quick, like, God help me prayer, but actually listening, actually breathing, uh, using temperature changes, all these things, like they seem silly. I was carrying a golf ball around with me for a little bit to be mindful, to like be here, to be now, to not worry, be worried about tomorrow. Um, I have actually taught, I was on medication for years that messed me up for ADD because of lack of focus. I have, I honestly, in the last few months, I have been training my mind to focus and using uh, mindfulness techniques to where I don't, I don't think I have a problem with it anymore. Like ADD, I really don't. I'm focused on what I'm focused on. Now, will I still forget my keys? Yeah, I'll still do that stuff or whatever. But but like right now, I'm focused on this. I'm focused Josh, on you guys. And you know, I have no fears or anxieties or worries because I'm right here. It's we're good. training ourselves nice. to deal with you know? these fears and anxieties. Something really simple has been helping me. For years, I would have these times when I would go to bed stressed out, and I'd get up to go to the bathroom or something, and all these wheels would start turning. And it was horrible. Lately, I found something, and as simple as it sounds, it works. I'll get up to go to the restroom or something, and I'll go, disengage, disengage, disengage. And I'll say that to myself or out loud, or disengage, disengage. And it works. It works. And it's been helping me, you know, to not... You need to share this uh, with your daughter. <laughs> this is good. I think I think I passed down to her. Well, Jim, just some of when, my fears. when I, she gets in the car, just start playing the podcast, and then <laughs> she'll get to this point, and then she'll be mad. But just try to turn it off before she gets to the point where we're talking. And about then you'll it. have fear in your life. <laughs> then yes, I want to come back to what you were saying about that text in in Hebrews and talking about well, if you can get past the hurdle of like the fear of death, then yeah. you can endure this because what you're saying is faith over fear. Ooh, that faith trumps yes. fear and. Something that God showed me when I was doing this whole study about anxiety is when he gets involved, he will turn your what if into a so yes. what. Yes. Boom. I like it. Well, why, why, do, why do they call hard liquor spirits? They use the word spirit. Have you heard that? Yeah, yeah right. For liquor. Yeah. Because liquor influences you to do things you would not do normally. My highs in God overcomes a lot of fears. I choose to believe right now this might change. But I choose to believe when they tell me I'm going to die, I'm going to get thoroughly excited because I really, really believe that I will be in heaven in the next few moments. And I, 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 it might be different. Maybe I'm speaking away ahead of time. But I really think when it's my time, and, and our audience might know, and maybe they don't know, I've asked God to live to 85. As long as I stay strong, keep lifting weights, man. And, and, you know, be the Mick Jagger of the, the Christian world. I love that. The people will hate that. I have, told, oh. that, I have told that story to so many people. Uh, my father-in-law is the Mick Jagger of preachers. Yes, that's I, awesome. I, I want to continue to be cool as best as I can. But I've asked God to live to 85, and my wife says, I don't, don't know if you're, you're really thinking about what you're saying, but I do believe that if I get to 85, I think I'm going to have a dying birthday party. Yeah. And I'm going to say, you know what? This is the year I'm going home. Maybe I'm just too far from that to be speaking a reality right now. Well, you, I, you, you truly, know. truly believe that when you die, you're going, going to heaven. heaven. I am Jim, going. when you die, yeah. you 100% I am going. Josh, you 100%. believe. 100%. So I think, I when think you, so. I think so, yeah. yeah. If you have that belief, I'm going to double so. down what you just said, because I like what you just said about faith over fear. One of the scriptures I wrote down, and I actually love this passage. It's from uh, Matthew it's in, a, it's in a couple different Gospels. Gospels, Matthew and Gospels, yeah. but in Matthew 8, 23, it talks about the storm. It says Jesus went on the boat, and there was a great storm. And what it says, it says that the disciples freaked out. They feared. They just they completely went into fear, and he comes to them, and he says, you have little what? Faith. 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 Yeah. You have little faith. And I think it comes down to that. I think if you believe, if you truly believe that you're going to be okay in the end, then you can overcome a lot of that fear and anxiety so that you're faith going through. Faith is a substance. It's a substance. It's right. a gift. I, and I believe it comes through relationship. It comes 
via love. Uh, in uh, one of the scriptures I want to share, First John 4, God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence, right, for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no love and fear. That's not what it says. Perfect love casts out right. fear. That's not what it says, but that's true but too. Right. <laughs> it says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And to me, like if you, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that you can pray everything away necessarily, but you can definitely get into a point where you are so in tune with God, where you're listening, where you're hearing, where you're obeying, where you're um, worshiping, praising, to where everything subsides. Jim, Jim's going to be able to speak to this, I think, because you're married to my daughter. But I had someone come to me the other day, and now this, this is going to be you know, kind of, what's the word I want to use? A little bit of PG-13? Uh, controversial okay. because of people's different theologies. But she said, you know, I believe my daughter or whoever is going to die because God's been preparing me the last year for it. So I think I'm prepared that she's probably going to die or whatever. And I said, so you think God's preparing your heart for her death? Yeah, I, I do. I think God's preparing your heart to pray for her so she doesn't die. Mm. Uh, there's a big difference between the two. Big difference. Yeah. Uh, now, we can get into the theological aspect of this, but I think very often God might give you a perspective of something that, that maybe is going to happen in the future. Instead of letting yourself be consumed with fear over it, I think you might be called to pray it away. Let me give you an example. Before Jim married our daughter, Debbie and I were driving to Porterville, and I looked at Debbie and I said, Debbie, I feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking in my heart and telling me that when I mention to you what I'm going to say to you right now, you've already been thinking this. And I said, I feel like I've been shown that Jim is in danger of having a car accident and dying. You were traveling that time a whole lot. And she started crying, just weeping. She said, God's been telling me that he's in danger traveling that road. Wow. And I've been having dreams that he, Jim's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's, and we're having his funeral and whatever. And I wow. said, but God gave us that to pray this away. And we started praying, man, for the next few weeks. Totally went away. The fear went away. Everything went away. We covered it in prayer. Now, you guys speak to that. Again, I don't have time theologically to unwrap this. God is sovereign, and God can't change his mind. That might be the next broadcast. <laughs> uh, but do you think God ever gives you perspectives of something that, that he sees down the road that's pro probably going to happen so you can start praying over it and pray yeah. it away? So is that ultimately what we're saying is get close to God, right? Get close to God, listen, pray, and obey, right? And pray the right things. But let's let's do this. Let's go through some scenarios. Okay, Josh, Josh is going to avoid this question right here. But I want Jim to answer first. I want him to speak into this because he's married to my daughter, and I think sometimes uh, those kind of thoughts have have played a big big role in oh, her yeah, life. Oh yeah, because and maybe mine. they can send you down a rabbit hole. You know, when you get this thought in your mind, like you know, so and so is going to die. And then you're like, what if they die? And then I'm like, I'm going to be sad, and and oh my goodness, and what can I do to prevent that? And so the the mental health of that thought bubble can just drive you down into a dark place. But you guys, being rich in faith, said we're going to pray over it because we believe that God gave us this premonition so yeah. that we can do something about it. And, and I will say, I look back, because that was when I was in college and I was driving back and forth from Cal Poly, I, I had a sleeping disorder to where I would get really tired when I was driving. And, and I will tell you, there are parts of that drive sometimes that I would not remember. That's scary. That, like, was I asleep? You know, and I know That's I'm wild. not the only one that you've driven, like, a long distance, and you're like, I don't remember driving the last 10 minutes. Uh, so maybe an angel, because of your prayers, carried me through uh, a, a potential car accident because I'm still alive, you know? And, and then that fear left us, if you can even call it fear. 
maybe it was something God was saying to us, and we interpret it in a fearful way. That's, so that's, I believe in this with all my heart. So would you call it fear a concern or... I think it was concern, but I think that concern in some people's lives could turn into fear. Yeah, so there was, there was a premonition, and you could choose at that point yep. by faith to yep. give it to God or live in fear and, and live in this dark space. God, God wouldn't give hmm. you a premonition if indeed he's doing that. It's what you do with the for fear. For you to be afraid. Yeah. He, wouldn't, he wouldn't say, here, I want to torture you for a year. Right. Your loved one's going to die, so I'm preparing your heart, so I'm going to torture you for a whole year. If he gives you a premonition, it's, I believe, to pray whatever it is away or pray it down a different road or however you want to explain it. But I know you want to go a different direction. So we've got to come back with this broadcast. We haven't even touched death yet, the fear of death. Oh, man. That's a whole podcast in itself. I think we're going to go into that, right? We have to go yeah, into we it. We have I to think. go into it. Well, I was just thinking uh, about people who are listening to this, and I think it's a very interesting discussion, but but it's also people need practical help, right? Yes. Uh, at the end of the day, that's what I'm always looking for is how do I fix this problem right now that I have? And so real quick, let's think of a couple scenarios uh, that people might have in their life right now. Let's say uh, the first one is fear that their significant other uh, is going to leave them. Um, what would, what advice would you give them? First of all, if, if I was afraid my wife was going to leave me, Hannah, I start looking at myself and, and asking myself like in healthy fear, like right. let, not letting the fear control me, but right. actually trying to take control of it and saying, am I being a well, good husband? Earlier, am when, I, when you were talking about dad, you were talking okay, about mom, uh, you were fearful she would leave, she would leave yes, you. Yes. Because, but that was just out of fear. It wasn't her. It was just out of fear, right? It was out of fear because I was being such a bad person. Okay. Because and I really knew she could do better. Right. I knew she could your do better. So right. maybe the practical help or the practical advice for this person would be look inside of you. What is causing this? You know, is it is it a, is it based on reality? In my therapy, they've taught me to check the facts. You know, right. what are the facts? What's real and what is made I would up say in your head? If right? I felt that, I would go to prayer and say, God, show me the areas of my life maybe that that aren't conducive to being a good husband. Right. And then I would try to change those ways. I would try to love her as much as I could. But the 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 uh, you know the backdrop would be. I'm going to do all I can do, but doggone, if she leaves me, there's life after this. Well, I, I, I would if, have to have that backdrop. I don't know if Jim has uh, heard my locus of control thing with the external versus internal. It comes from a book by Charles Duhigg, uh, Power of Habit. Anyway, um, the idea is that uh, some people believe that they uh, can control anything and everything in their life, and they have an external, more of an external locus of control. They believe they can handle anything that comes. They can change things, right? And then other people believe life happens to them. They have a very internal locus of control. So they're just like, whatever happens, happens, man. You know, they're like the hippie or whatever. And um, the, the, uh, the unhealthy people are the people that don't know the difference between what they can control and what they can't. And so I think that um, in a situation like that, when it comes to a relationship, uh, there, there's a huge aspect that you cannot really control, and that's the other person's feelings, their thoughts, their mind, their they reaction. They have free will. They have free will. We believe in that. Some right. people don't. Um, but we believe that they have that choice, right? And so you can do all the right things and still lose them. And then at that point, you don't want to have that attitude of, well, whatever happens, happens. You I'm do gonna, the best you can do. Right. with it. But... There's also things that we can't control. Am I treating this person badly? Am right. I uh, am I fighting them? Am I dealing with my own anxieties and issues? And am I pushing them away? Right. And so maybe you need marriage counseling. Maybe you need therapy. Maybe you need to talk to a pastor. Maybe you need to talk to a friend. I don't know. But it depends on what level you're at, right, in your relationship. So that's one. That's one uh, practical help. And I think going back to that, letting somebody else in, is good to yeah. be able to process this with, right to kind of see if this is rational or irrational Yeah. to be able to let somebody else in. And that could be, I call them battle buddies mm. that uh, I, I get, I get concerned, Ron, you probably are the same way. It's like when I'm the only friend mm. of somebody that has been attending church, like I'm the only person they know and connect with because they've heard me speaking. Oh, I'm like, this isn't good. You need to find some people. That's why I'm a huge advocate of like life groups or small groups. I was in a group uh, therapy session and they went around and asked you asked everyone. They said, who's your who's your core? You know, the mm -hmm. people that you uh, your support system, they called it. Yeah. And um, so many people didn't have anybody. Yeah. So and I thought that's that's, that's where huge. people get stuck in their head. 
Right. And they don't have any anybody to process this and with. And you want the right people, too. Oh, 100%. You don't want yeah. just anyone. You yeah. know, whoever's easy to be friends with. You're not going to find a perfect person, but you want to find somebody that is running the same direction as you are with God. And who will tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I just can't live with fear. And again, I know that was kind of a, a quick response. But again, uh, whatever I find myself being afraid of, I will take everything back to a spiritual uh, platform. What if somebody's afraid of... Uh, really afraid of getting a disease and dying or really afraid of health in general. And again, maybe I'm oversimplistic, but again, go talk to someone, get it out. We have to get these stressful things out. And hopefully again, if you have heaven as your backdrop and you go, I'm on this earth, I'm going to start eating the best I can. I'm going to start exercising the best I can. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I mean, uh, again, I know there's a process to go through, and I know everyone we're talking to might not have the spiritual backgrounds that we have. Eventually, I will bring everything back around to God. You know me. Everything will come back around to God. Everything will come back around to Scripture. I think sometimes uh, when I have all these thoughts in my head, ruminating, all these different things going on, if I sit down and write it out in a journal, it helps it's, a like, lot. it's like I'm able to really understand what I'm thinking and what I'm not thinking and what is bothering me and what's real and what's not. Um, and so I'll write my thoughts down and I'll, and I'll realize, oh, wait, wait, I'm not sick. Yeah. I'm worried about being sick. Right. And because of that worry, I'm actually missing out on life right now. 100%. And that's actually what I'm afraid of, yep. missing out on later by being sick. Right. And then you're like, oh, my gosh. Well, this, you, you, already, you already gave us a solution. When you find yourself with these intriguing fears or these devastating fears, the first step, and we saw it with Elijah, you have to go find somebody you can trust and talk it out with them. Don't leave it inside because it'll grow. Mold grows in dark places. you got to get it out, talk it out, and, and get some counsel. So I have one more, one more important, uh, and this is, this is specifically for you two. Um, what do you do if you have a presentation coming up and you are deathly afraid to speak in front of people. How'd you guys overcome that fear? Or did you ever have that fear? I dropped out of speech class. <laughs> At college, I dropped out. <laughs> Fight or flight. Yeah. Yeah. Or freeze. I had a I panic. I just learned that. You yeah, know what? Freeze. I had a panic attack during you the sermon did. a couple times. I was you there. did? I had a panic attack on, on Christmas, Christmas Eve service. Which one? In Ventura. And my father-in-law was there. I saw it. And I froze and I stopped. And I was just like, I'm going to pray right now. I don't know what else to do. I'm like, I don't know if I even really am comfortable sharing this the, the Christmas story right now. It was a whole thing. Let me ask you a question, though. It's crazy. Did you come in fully 100% prepared? I don't know. I mean, Probably not. I mean, the family was there that day. Um, if you know me, the way I prepare, I always put headphones right. on. I get really, I really get pumped up and get focused. But I have notes I can go back to if I have one of those what do we call them? Brain farts or whatever. I don't know what you call them. Uh, yeah, uh, I just had one. It happens. Yeah. I think it's called getting old. Is that but your, but your, but yours was completely. Mine was out of yeah, fear. Yours was out yeah. of fear. I saw it firsthand. I mean, yeah. you completely for you were taking deep breaths and you controlled. But I love what you said. You went back and you did pray. Mm-hmm. That was the one That's thing good. that you did. I did. And, and then I also and that that calmed me down a lot. Um, but I also went back and learned about what that is, and I learned how to handle it, and. So basically, your thoughts are on, it's like your thoughts are on a conveyor belt, right? They're coming and they're leaving. They're coming and they're leaving. But I have notes, so if that happens to me, I'll just go back and read the well, notes. Well, you're a special I'll just read the you're notes. a special case because you have a very headstrong um, mind. Like, you're very headstrong. So you're able to say, I, well, it's funny. Vince and I, we, we joke around about you sometimes because we hear you in the speaker when you're uh, when we're doing videos, and you're like, "Come on, Ron, you, you you talk to yourself," and you say, "Get it right, get it right." And so you you actually are talking to yourself and telling yourself what to focus on. I think most people don't have that discipline. I think people need to learn that. So back to the whole. I have a presentation coming up next week, Jim. What do you think? What's there? What's your best? Well, advice? you know, I saved the cassette from the first time you allowed the college group to go up to the state. I think it was a Wednesday night. And like four of us shared. It was the first time I've ever been up on wow. a stage like that. I saved the cassette. Wait, it wasn't an eight track? It wasn't eight track, bro. <laughs> it was a Come on, man. Okay, just making I, sure. I was born in the 70s. Okay. <laughs> uh, I will say I saved that because that is 
such a learning experience. And the more you do something, the more comfortable you get in that space to where I honestly, I don't even think about it anymore. I, I've had so many experiences where maybe I didn't feel fully prepared, but then afterwards I said things I didn't prepare to say, but I know those things became the, the strongest points of the whole talk yeah. to where I have gained so much confidence in God when I'm up there that I still prepare. Yeah. I still sure. have notes yeah. and my notes look totally different than your dad's. Well, I think uh, that, uh, one of the best advice that I've gotten, and I know you guys both do this, is, is, is you, you internalize your message, right? You get it from the head to the heart. And when you do that, you don't even have to have, I mean, notes are great, but you don't, that's, that's it's like authentic. Backup, it's right? coming. Yeah. It's, it's coming like here, from this. The, and, and if you can, yeah. if you can share your entire message in one sentence, right, then you have it, you know it. This is what I want to tell everyone. I know? don't go by my notes very often, but they're there in front. Of I don't me. know how you could go they're by there your notes. In front. <laughs> your notes <laughs> are crazy. True. Like he yeah. writes in the margins, up and down, uh, <laughs> lateral. Like uh, it's crazy. We'll go back to the back room. And be like, hey, pastor, we have this verse, and yeah. he'll go back and eat. it's just like around the whole well, page. And you're he, like, he Wait. keeps telling me one day he's gonna hand me his notebooks, and I'm like, for firewood? What? I'm not. What am I gonna <laughs> use this for? Because I'm not gonna be able to read them at all. I'm gonna have to have Tara help. But me I out. have them up there for a reason. Yeah, Tara could uh, translate them. Well, for Dad, you. I'm gonna have the videos. Yeah. Well, for the, I have them up there for a reason. If someone comes in and does something really crazy, I lose my attention span at that moment. I just go back to my notes. Right. So they're almost like uh, a safety net for me. So another another form of advice, because mm, I think good. I've had probably more fear than anybody of speaking, is um, people don't know what you're thinking. That's huge. Because I will have all these thoughts of like, you're not doing it right, or you said that wrong. And I'm like, they're not thinking that. It's just me, you know? And they don't know what you don't tell them. So I used to I used to speak and I would ta I would speak my insecurities. Mm. Oh gosh, I messed that one up. Sorry guys. You know, and they just don't know. They yeah, don't know that. You don't so. want to do that. Yeah. I, I like <laughs> what you said, and we can start to tie it up here. You said you use your notes as a safety, but how much yeah. more confidence does that give you going into oh, a lot situation? More. A lot more. So would you say in a lot of people's fears, or would you in gym too? Is just out of just preparation for life in general. Uh, Huntington and I went backpacking. We we've been planning this backpacking trip. I said when you turn when you become when you become a freshman, I'm gonna take you up on this big backpacking trip. Five days. It's gonna be amazing. And uh, he was a little nervous, but I'm like, it's gonna be great. We're gonna pack the water. We're gonna do everything right. And so we prepared. I told him what to expect, what not to expect, what snakes to look for, what snakes not you know like aren't poisonous. We went to bears. What to do if they approach you. And it was a great trip. We could have let all the fear paralyze us, but we knew we were prepared. We went in prepared. We had our water packs. We had our food. We had as much knowledge yes. as we had as the land we were as informed. possible. Yes. We were completely informed. Instead of saying, now we're not going to go because it's too dangerous, we went on the trip, climbed. It was 14,000 feet over Kearsarge Pass. Mm -hmm. Moment for me and him that we'll never forget. I have the photo. It's just this moment. And my dad got to go to, which is crazy, three generations of Sierra boys on top of a mountain. If I would have let the fear paralyze me, if I wouldn't have been prepared, if I would, you know, it would have never happened for you. Yeah, it's huge. Well, um, if you can overcome something like that, then you can probably overcome a lot of things, I think. Um, but I, I think of an oil fill worker. He's not nervous when he's doing his job. He's just doing his job. And speaking is just the same if you are doing this for your job, whether it's a presentation or whether you're speaking in front of people but um, or leading a small group or something right. like that. Uh, but just have courage today. Um, I think one of the best things that we can do as Christians is encourage somebody else. So if you're mm. going through something, yes. I've noticed myself, I've noticed that if I encourage somebody else with something I'm going through, a lot of times they're going through the same thing. It's weird, you know? It's yeah, like we, we pour courage into other people when we encourage them. Yeah, and it, it really and it strengthens us. And, and so, faith trumps fear. It I'm does. telling mm. you now. Proverbs 11.25, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So it's the uh, it's the the biblical boomerang. Yeah, I can be afraid. Yeah, and I good. can go spend an hour with God, and, and 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 get my Bible and go out to like here at the mountain park up here, and I'm totally different when I come back than when I went. The same fears are they might yeah. still be there, but they're not near. They as don't have powerful. the impact. Impact. Yeah. And can what? I give a final thought? Yeah. Uh, I want to give a final thought about fear and anxiety. Because in all of my experience and all of the biblical references that we have, and even uh, the scientific data uh, that is coming back, and that is probably the biggest thing you can do to help conquer any irrational fear or any kind of anxiety disorder that you may have, 
is keep a gratitude journal. Mm-hmm. I am convinced that gratitude is the biggest thing that you could begin in your life to come against that fear and anxiety of be grateful for the things that you have yeah. and the things that are right. If gratitude if you, changes your attitude. Yes. Yeah. It, it and you can get so stuck in this mode of fear and get so locked into it that you forget the goodness of God because really that's right. what it comes down to and that's yeah. what helps elevate fear and produce more uh, or elevate faith and, and produce more faith in your hey, life. You know what's going to happen? To be grateful. You know what's going to happen? We're going to end this podcast and I'm going to go out and something's going to scare the daylights out of me. Uh, and, and a spirit of fear is going to try to set in. Uh, but anyway, we need, we need to take this end some way the question is do we come back with this next week or are we through with it uh possibly every week is different and we're just kind of praying we'll about next it week huh? and uh, we'll see but um going off of this thought the gratitude thought um it also causes you to take a personal inventory of what you do have yes right yeah and sometimes we have a lot more tools we have a lot more relationships we have a lot more uh, god has given us everything we need uh to succeed to do well and so sometimes we just forget that we have that person or we have that tool or we have that we have the bible right? lean into what we <laughs> have what we don't we right have. not what we have okay. that's a good good word jim that's great well we need to go out all right guys love you guys uh, have a great week and uh, fear not because god is with you right most repeated promise in the bible bless you guys love you you got your daddy's ring